How many of you woke up this morning and felt like your home was full of wild beasts? <laughs> You're like, people are going to flee from this place. I want to flee from this place. Um, and then there's other days where you wake up and you're like, oh, it's like beautiful here. The water's pretty. The trees are pretty. The sky's pretty. Everything's pretty. You just think it's fabulous. Well, today we're going to talk about how to create more of the fabulous when you're feeling like your house is full of wild beasts. Welcome to the Simple Joyful Home Podcast. Join Emily and Alicia, two moms doing their best. This is a podcast about Come Follow Me and the Book of Mormon, and how anything you learn from the scriptures can be transformed into practical and simple solutions to strengthen your home, your relationships, and even yourself. If you're ready to triumph over self-doubt and increase the joy in your heart and in your home, join them on this inspired journey. Take it away, ladies. Hey, this is Alicia. And this is Emily. Okay, so this week for Come Follow Me, it's for May 11th through the 17th, and we're reading chapters um, Mosiah 18 through 24. And we have such great things we want to talk about today. There oh, was so much. There's so much. In we this. had to narrow it way, way down. I know. It was kind of disappointing cutting out things. Anyway, um, so kind of to give you where we're at. So the previous reading we ended where Abinadi was burned and King Noah's terrible person and but one of his priests, Alma, listened to Abinadi and he is now fleed into the wilderness. And so that's kind of where we're at. So Alma finds this little patch of ground um, near a fountain of water that was infested with wild beasts or at one time um, or a season it was. And so people kind of stayed away from this piece of land, which offered some shelter and um, security for Alma. And it was named the land of Mormon. Yeah, or the waters. The waters of Mormon? Oh. So the place of Mormon, the waters of Mormon. It says the place of Mormon, the waters of Mormon, the forest of Mormon. It's really just Mormon. <laughs> okay. But we're going to say all the things because we're so excited about where we are. Okay, that actually sounds, that makes more sense. Okay, so Alma's gathered to this cool place um, that he's found that's like a security place for him, a place to hide. And he's also is a place where he's preaching so the people who want to hear more about what's going on will go and they'll like travel to this place and then Alma teaches from there. And it was going really good because it became such a special place um, where the spirit could dwell that the people just loved it. To the, every time they saw it, they just saw a beautiful thing. They um, So let's read the scripture where it says that. So we're in Mosiah chapter 18 and in verse 30 and about halfway through that verse, um, this after is they say, after they say waters of Mormon, forest of Mormon, place of Mormon, like, <laughs> they like a lot of times. Yeah, they liked Mormon. Then you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> the people, this is what they thought. How beautiful are they to the eyes of them who were there to come to the knowledge of their redeemer. And I don't know, this was so random that it stood out to me, this little like snippet of the scripture because have you ever had memories of a place um, that you were where maybe you had a spiritual experience or you were just taught something or it was just a memorable moment. And when you think about that, you just love it. Like you love that place because it provided that opportunity. And I think that's what happened here. This little, little snippet of land, I have no idea what it looked like, but it was a special place to these people because they came to know the knowledge of their redeemer here. And 
I just think that would be a neat thing to think about as we apply that to our lives, whether it's in our homes or other little places that we can find that can be a beautiful moment that we can remember and we can either come closer to Heavenly Father or closer to our families, however, but we need these moments in our life because they build on our experiences in life. I love that it's the place that is beautiful because of the experience. Yeah. That is really kind of a unique way of looking at it. I mean, when we first introduced this scripture, we kind of laughed about the fact that they say Mormon like six times in the scripture, (laughs) but they're just everything about that place is so beautiful to them because of what they experienced there and how they came to know their redeemer there that they just say it over and over. What is it? The waters of Mormon, the place of Mormon, the forest of Mormon. I mean, they just are so <laughs> excited yeah. about it. And, you know, it may have not always been that way because before it was kind of deemed the place that had wild beasts and like that, that were kind of infested there. And hey, so, you just don't hang out there. <laughs> yeah. And so people just weren't going there. It was off the beaten path kind of way. And so in my mind, I visualized this place of just beauty and and lushness and it could have been totally different because it's just that experience that was there that made it beautiful we have no idea really what it looked like other than it had a a water feature a pure (laughs) pure water pure water a fountain of pure water so as emily marco poloed me about the scripture um no they are not our sponsor (laughs) um she was talking to me about how this Scripture made her think of places in her life that just automatically bring these feelings of like, what did you say, Em? Oh, just like beauty, sanctuary, and, like yeah, a, just a, a place that brings like that refuge. Place. Yeah, I have this garden girl that I listen to on YouTube every morning. I wake up and I listen to her, but she was showing this video of her parents' garden. And it was just, she just kept saying over and over, I just love this place. It's the one place I can take a nap. This is just such a special place for me. I worked here. I learned all that I did about gardening in this garden. And she just kept talking about it in such reverence and um, just such a special place for her. And it also reminded me of when I learned how to garden and I was on the landscaping crew for Utah State University. And that campus is such a special place for me because I worked so hard there and I learned so much there. And it wasn't like spiritual experiences, but it was a place I could clear my mind. It was a place that I found beauty and I I just learned so much from my boss and everything that it became such a special place. And there are those places all over. You know, you could have it at home. Like when you go home to my parents' house, I like the smell of the house, the sounds that are there. Um, When I go up to my old bedroom, like what is there, you know, just memories are brought back that bring such great happiness. It's true. And for me, it's less of a place and more people. And so when I think of beautiful things that remind me of how I came to know my Redeemer or how I have felt the Spirit really strongly in my life, those beautiful things to me are people. Uh, People I think of, we, Seth and I took a marriage and family class right after we first got married. And I had taken them before and, you know, they were really very predictable. (laughs) You know, they read a manual. It was all really great. But when we moved into this ward, 
Um, two ladies taught it and they were older ladies, Adele and Judy. And I still remember them. And they taught this class in such a real way. It was, now you need to pray about it. And this is why. And they would give you real life stuff to go with it. Like, psychology to go with it and articles and statistics and like their testimony of their life and how God had worked in their life and in their marriages. And it just was this full picture of just how it can work. And I just remember feeling so close to the spirit and understanding and learning in my own unique way because they opened up that opportunity. And to this day, those women are beautiful to me and I seek them out and I wonder how they are and I still reflect on their impact and in my life and in lots of people's lives. And we've gone on, Seth and I have gone on to teach that class and our foundation was of course Christ and the spirit, but absolutely they were part of that foundation big, as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. big influence. Yeah, I never thought of it like that where you could have special moments with people like, and really it happens, man, those memories and those moments we have with those people are just, they really are irreplaceable and they're so important to have. It's true. So I think some people in this, the kingdom actually viewed this place as a scary place or a place to avoid, um, in the waters of Mormon. And so how do some people view it as good and some people view it as bad? And what if, we are in a moment where we're like, I just feeling like everything's kind of rough. Like there are wild beasts running around. And so in a places we want to avoid and escape from. So how do we make particularly maybe our homes feel more like a sanctuary, a place that is a source of refuge or places in our home that can be um, moments of refuge and, and just because everyone needs those moments. Everyone needs that feeling and they will last forever. So these are things that we're planning now and doing now and trying to instill in our kids so that they have those um, memories or with our spouse or even with ourselves for our future so we can reflect back on them. Yeah. How do we make our home feel like a sanctuary? How do we become as people a sanctuary for our family, for our children and our spouse? And when we thought about this, as we were reading through the rest of these chapters, we ran into Mosiah chapter 22, where Ammon has appeared on the scene now. And yeah, do you guys remember Ammon? He's the one who was super gutsy and spoke all bold. So, anyway. Yeah. Ammon in, is now here with Limhi and he's like. And the people are in bondage. Yeah. They're giving half of everything they have to the Lamanites. Their they life is in over rough. their heads. They do not know what to do. They're struggling. And so they're like, all right. Not only do they not know what to do right before Ammon shows up on the scene. I mean, these people have been just complaining and murmuring and just mad about the world. And then they go to war with these Lamanites like three times, three, oh, after man. they were surrounded three times. And... They've finally humbled themselves and they've prayed to God and slowly God opens up opportunities for them. And then Ammon shows up on the scene and here we are. (laughs) They're finally in a place that they can receive help. And so here's Ammon. So Ammon's here to help. King Limhi and his people are feeling like they're in bondage. They're in a place 
that they don't want to be. And as we read so through probably these, mentally and physically, they're in bondage. Yes. So both. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So as we read through these, we thought, oh, this is kind of like the wild beast place, the place you want to avoid. Feeling like you're in bondage kind of feels like those places you want to avoid. Yeah. As we read through these, we discovered something that King Limhi and Ammon do to help free the people from bondage. And we thought this is so applicable to our families, to our marriages, to our individual lives. These steps apply to all of that. And so the very first thing that they do is Ammon and King Limhi gather everyone together. So they gather the people together and they did that that they might have a voice. Everyone there has an opportunity to say, this is what I think we should do. And this is what I think we should do. And what I love about this is, first of all, the gathering, because I think there's always power in gathering together, especially when you gather together in one purpose. And they definitely had a purpose. And that was to escape the bondage that they were in. Um, and then the idea that everyone has a voice an equal voice in let's, what are all of our ideas? What do we think we can do to fix this? Well, a lot of times we go into like gathering with our own ideas and our own mind and not there to like actually listen to other people. So sometimes when we're gathering our kids to have a, a moment together, we already have like ideas in our mind of how we should have it to go instead of like maybe opening it up to them. So, or we open it up to them and we're like, Okay, that was a great idea. Now, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I love in verse nine of chapter 22, where it says that it came to pass that king, the king hearkened unto the words. Um, And it was the words of Gideon, but he was hearkening unto the words. And hearkening means listening with intent. So we gather everybody around and or whatever team we need to release from bondage, Um, or those feelings of tension. And then we give everyone a voice and we don't just give them a voice, but we actually live, listen with the intent to do something. And we go in with open ears. Yes. Such a powerful reminder that the voice is only effective if we are, we have ears to hear it. So they've made their decision of how they're going to escape bondage. So they've listened to everybody's ideas. The King didn't say, I will, only my idea will work or, yeah. you know, everyone, Ammon who's new to the crowd and he must have more knowledge than us. He listens to everyone. Yeah. And then Gideon is the one that there's, has the idea that they use. Yeah. There's everyone's on equal ground, which I love. Yeah. I love. There's this scripture in Mosiah 23 verse seven, and it goes right along with what you're saying, Emily, about the not. Yeah. You're not above anyone else. Yeah. Um, you shall not esteem one flesh above another, or one man shall not think himself above another. And I think that goes right along with what you're saying. It's so true. Then uh, this last part is in verse 12. And so then they each decide, okay, we need to take everything that we can carry and go. And I love that metaphor of taking what we can carry and what that will mean for me versus my two-year-old is very different if we're having like a family discussion about something. But that doesn't mean that my two-year-old can't carry something. 
She absolutely can. And to exclude her would make her feel not part of what's happening when she's a very big part of the team. Yeah. And so I think remembering that everyone has a part to carry and allowing them to do that, giving them the opportunity to feel like part of the family, part of the team, part of your people. Yeah. And then finally, that last step is pursuing. You have to pursue the journey. It's not all talk, it's action too. Yeah, and the pursuing assertive. <laughs> it's very assertive. It's, I am going to run after this. I want to catch the results that we want. Um, well, yeah. Cause when you're in that. bondage, you know, literally if you were in bondage and you were, you have this plan to break that, you would do anything you could to get it out, you know, get out of it. So when we do have those like little things that aren't working in our lives that it's causing contention or it's causing problems and you're feeling like frustrated because you can't be who you want to be because it's there in the way. Um, let's get, let's do it. Let's get out of it. It's true. And Emily has an awesome story about her cute family feeling oh, yes. like they were in bondage or at least a whole lot of tension. And it, I think yeah. tension, tension is bondage to me. Yeah. I mean, when you have that tension in your home, you can't move freely about um, loving each other in the same way, building each other up in the same way. And so it is bondage in the family. And yeah. so Emily's going yeah, to teach can, us about that. Well, okay. So I have five boys and I actually have really great mellow boys for having boys, um, but they still, they can be best friends and they can be best enemies. <laughs> and we've been leaning towards the more on the enemy side. But we've had some great best friend moments too. Anyway, I like just- Like the one on the bridge. It was so cute. Right? She'll post a picture. It's so cute. Oh, yes. It's so cute. Um, and Finn, my little two-year-old's been sneaking out of bed and sleeping with different brothers. Like we <laughs> were like, where is he? And we're like, we have to go to different rooms. And he is snuggled up with one of his brothers. He loves them so much. They love doing so much together all the time. Um, but with that comes a little bit of contention sometimes. And even with- and I'm not even saying I'm out of this because even I've had more contention lately and even my husband has. And anyway, we finally were like, okay, let's try not to speak so loudly at each other anymore. <laughs> I love how you say it so nice. Okay. We were yelling. Anyway, <laughs> we don't yell. Steve and I don't have a like boisterous voices. We're actually pretty quiet people, but even we were on the verge of like, who are we anyway? <laughs> and so, um, I had been working on a little plan where we would, I didn't want to just always focus on the negative. You know, I don't, I don't always love being like, stop doing that. You're doing this wrong. I don't know. It gets old and they stop listening to that anyway. But so I was trying to focus. We have a jar and I was like, all right, we're not going to think hard about this. I'm just doing what we have. I grabbed like beads and pom-poms. I'm like, okay, if you do something good, I'm going to put a good thing in your jar. But I am the type of person that if I have to do that all the time, it gets way too tedious. So I actually had the boys do it for each other. Like if they noticed something good, then they would go put something in the jar. You know, anyway. I love that your house full of five boys is putting beads and pom-poms <laughs> in a jar. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, we are special. <laughs> anyway. Not nuts and bolts or nails, but it was beads and pom poms. Yeah, it is. Oh, I should have done nuts and bolts. That's a great idea. <laughs> anyway, I had those on hand, 
But what I wanted to do, because it was with the yelling, it was just like everyone was just really like if someone did something wrong, it was like a big snap back. And I was like, let's just use better words and communicate why that's frustrating. I sound like I'm a psychologist. I mean, no, it was so simple, but I wanted them to focus on this positive thing. And so they were putting beads in, but it was still struggling. Like we were still kind of at each other all the time. Um, so Steve gathered everyone. And I was like, we need to have a chat about all of this. So we gather everyone we sit down and he explained kind of like, I don't like how I've been acting and you know, we've noticed that you kids have been frustrated with each other. What can we do? And it was just this open, like, Max, what do you want? What do you want, Jack? Like really trying to listen. What can we say? And the the boys came up with a power word, they call it, that if they say, please stop, that means it's serious. <laughs> I love that that's their power <laughs> word. Oh, and so even so to, polite. I know. Well, <laughs> It's to take away from the, stop it. (laughs) It's not like, zucchini. Yeah. (laughs) Zucchini. (laughs) No, but they're like, if we say, please stop, that means it's serious. So anyway, um, but they came up with that on their own and it was like, listen to, and um, today actually was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was a good experience of like gathering we have an action in place, you know, where it's, we could talk all about like why we don't want to yell, but unless we actually do something about it, it means nothing. So we have an action of the jars with pom bombs <laughs> and we have, um, we have the power word like that we're trying to do. And anyway, I love that. We I just couldn't it. take it anymore is basically where we were at, but our, our boys are good kids. And I was telling them, I'm like, you know, if we, want good things. we got to say good things about each other. I learned way back, this might not have anything to do with what we're talking, but it came to my mind. But way back when I was first getting married, they said, you know, try really hard not to talk bad about your spouse. Mm -hmm. And I have really done, both Steve and I rarely, I mean, ever would I say bad things about him or him about me. But I realized I was doing that about my kids. Like how often do I whine? Even on this podcast, (laughs) I have whined like, oh yeah, those kids fighting, whatever. And I realized that that's what I started noticing more about. And I need to do that with my own children. I need to be like, I'm not, I'm going to try really harder. And this is me saying it out in public, but I really want to do better about talking good about my own children. We've got to like build up the happy, I don't know. Anyway, I love that. This idea of releasing ourselves from the tension or the bondage can work in our families, like we just heard from Emily. It can work in our marriage, in times of tension in our marriage. Seth and I were just trying to buy a car. And so (laughs) anyway, we need something that can tow more. Our little minivan just doesn't really tow our four-wheelers. I don't know why. But it's probably oh, not a good idea hands. for the tranny. So <laughs> we are, we have been looking, Seth's been looking for months and months. We're talking like six months. And he finally comes across this deal and it is like the perfect car. We've, it's the exact one we've been looking for. We've been looking for a Toyota Sequoia. You guys can just tell us that that's good or bad. <laughs> and, and we were like, we need it to be older so we can like get the right price, but we don't want a ton of mileage. So anyway, we have this like real specific thing in mind. So this car shows up at this dealership and I'm already a little like sketchy about going there because I'm like, uh, like I don't, 
have enough hand sanitizer to enter a place outside my house, <laughs> but it's like the perfect car and it's open. And so it has the exact mileage we've been looking for. It's an older year with lower miles, which never come along. It's like had two owners and a clean Carfax, you know, all the things you look for, but the extras too, like went tinted windows and rubber mats and the extra brake thingy when you're towing something big, I don't even know what it's called people, but you add it after it was already there. It was perfect. And I'm like, honey, you just go look at it and you just do the whole thing. Like it's fine. Cause I really didn't want to go get germs. Right. And so, but then we all go look at it and we got to put the kids in it. Right. Cause you got to make sure it's actually going to function. So we do all of that. We take it to a mechanic. He looks at it and then I'm like, okay, so I'm, but all of the while I'm feeling just a little bit like, I don't know, this is so perfect. Why am I feeling like not quite right about this? I, I mean, it could just be that there's a full on pandemic and I'm afraid to buy a car in a pandemic first two weeks. <laughs> I don't know. Or it could be that I just don't feel right about this car. But Seth's like, I'm like, you just go sign all the paperwork and I'll come down and sign my part. And then, so I'm the only signature left, right? Oh man. And Seth comes home. I know, naughty people. I owe this salesman like a lot, a lot. And so (laughs) Seth comes home and he's like, okay, you just need to go down and sign the paperwork. You can do that tomorrow morning. And so we're sitting there and I'm like, so we put the kids in bed and I'm like, I'm going to have to say something like this isn't going away what I'm feeling right now. So the tension or that bondage, I literally was feeling like in bondage. Like if we go through with this, something terrible is going to happen. I don't even know oh, what no. it is. It was like, felt like so heavy and it just tense. wasn't right. And so I finally come up to him and I'm like, so the kids are in bed and I'm like, so, you know, about the car, I'm supposed to go sign. I, something is just... I don't know what it is. And he's like, he takes a big deep breath. <laughs> he's like, you guys can imagine the look. He's like, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, just give me a minute to wrap my head around it. And then let's talk about it. I said, okay. So he goes about his business. And then the next, the next day he says, okay, let's talk about it. And I'm like, well, here's all my things. And I like <laughs> people, my brain, I don't even know. I'm like (laughs) writing all the numbers on the board and like figuring out all the things. And then I'm like, but when it comes right down to it, he turns to me, he goes, but when it comes right down to it, Alicia, you just don't feel good about the car. So it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. If a deal is only good, if you feel good about it and we both have to feel good about it. And if you don't feel good about it, we're done. And I mean, he had put so much work into this and it, I'm like, I was just afraid that if I said something, I mean, that you would be so disappointed. And he's like, there will always be another car. It just, we just, it's not the one it's fine. So he, he let the poor, he called the salesman and oh, that was rough. (laughs) That was really rough. And I'm like, I will give him money. I I will. will Oh, goodness. (laughs) I will (laughs) tell him I'm sorry, but I just can't do it. I don't think you're the only person. (laughs) But it made me feel so bad. Um, But it, it was this whole idea of like, we had to find time to gather 
and be in the place where both of our voices could be heard. Yeah, like he needed to be in a place to listen and yeah, and uh, to be able to when we first when I first talked to him, it wasn't he couldn't have a voice yet because he hadn't had a chance to wrap his mind around what we needed to talk about, and so acknowledging that and then saying okay. Now I'm prepared to say what I need to say. You're, you can say what you need to say. And then we're both listening. And yeah. I think then we each carried our responsibility after that. Like I owned the fact that, yes, it's true. I don't feel good about it. And all of these like facts don't make any difference. Yeah. I just need to own the fact that it doesn't feel right. And I don't know why. And that's okay. And And he took on the, you know, he carried all the he burden carried. of <laughs> he carried what he could letting carry. down the Most guys things. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, we knew we needed a car, but we didn't know that that was putting us in bondage until we got there and yeah. we had to figure it out. And I think that happens so often in marriage and it takes a lot of courage to gather and say, we need to talk about this. And are we both ready to talk and are we both ready to listen and what are we each going to carry from here? And how do we want to pursue the future? Like, what yeah. decision are we going to make? And can we be solid in it together um, as we pursue that decision? So anyway, that was a recent really one like for that. me. That's good. So it can happen in your, be using your family, using your marriage. And I even think, yeah, and yourself. Yeah. So if you're feeling... Um, just contention or bondage in your own self um, that you can still gather. And I believe that that is gathering with your heavenly father. Um, I was telling the kids the other night of how each one of them, after they were born about day four, when about all the emotions are out of whack, <laughs> I would have mm-hmm. where the baby was crying. I didn't know what to do. And I would find myself in this position next to my bed I was like praying in a different way than I typically pray, you know, when you're going to bed. Um, This one was just like on my knees, just really, I was pleading because I didn't know this baby. I didn't know what he needed. I didn't know what would make him happy. And almost it happened with almost every single one of my boys. And I told the boys, I'm like, you know, I may not have known you, but Heavenly Father knew you and he could help me. Or, you know, I would pray. I find myself in that way. Um, when I do need extra help, you know, maybe I didn't just have a baby, but I was, I'm on my knees in that particular way, actually, when I really do need that gathering time with my heavenly father. And, you know, maybe it's with those ministering angels that I know are around all of us. And, and, um, and I take that moment to really gather and just let out that voice I need to say and go in with that listening ear to hear what, you know, heavenly father has or just that peace that I can hear and feel and to get through. And so, and it actually ties back to those, you know, those special moments we talk about, you know, those, those tender sanctuaries that we provide that little spot next to my bed sitting in a certain way always puts me in a special place. So, yeah. So even when I'm sharing, you know, it's important to talk about those sanctuaries and those special moments. Cause when I was telling my kids, each one of them lit up when I'm like, and Max, I prayed for you. And I just, you were crying. I didn't know what you needed. And they're like, what, what did I end up needing? I'm like, you were cold. You needed a blanket. 
And he's like, oh, see, that's why I love blankets so much. And he was like laughing. And then um, Sam's like, what did I want? I'm like, well, you loved sleeping on your tummy. And I didn't know, like, that's what you love. And that it was okay back then. Anyway, and then um, my other boy just needed a binky or like they were just all like little things that they wanted, but they were enthralled by this memory of this special moment I had of each one of them. And then in turn, that became a special moment for them just listening to that. And so these moments can happen in such simple ways and in such small spaces. And I think they're important. It's important to remember them and important to share them. I really do love that idea of places and people becoming beautiful because of what we experience. My relationship with Seth grew, it grew. Like my trust in him to back me up or his confidence in my abilities, which helped my abilities. I mean, I just felt stronger in, in speaking up next time sooner, maybe, or acknowledging my own feelings quicker. All of that has strengthened our relationship in a really beautiful way. And your family is already changing with what you guys have done. And I think there's just so many ways (laughs) that we can we can change those places, those things that we're avoiding, those yeah. places we're avoiding um, that feel like it's full of ferocious wild beasts um, or things we just don't want to deal with or tension that's rising that makes us feel like we're in bondage. We can turn those things and feelings into places of beauty and bring us closer to yeah. each other and to our Savior. There's just so many well, Great I, examples. Yeah. And I, I do think it's of that. particularly important that it can happen. Well, it happened with these people because they were learning of their Redeemer and mm-hmm. that these places are magnified when we tie them with the Spirit. Yep. It's so, so true. Because the Spirit then, if, especially if you're with others, like your family or your spouse, if the spirit is there, that is what makes it a special moment for them. Not necessarily me as a mom, but mm-hmm. the spirit that's there reaching my kids. This can happen such in a simple and quick way. And you don't need it a hundred percent of the time, all the time, because we are just here on this earth to do our best. And so that is enough. And we talk about all the time on this podcast that your best is enough. And if you're trying, that's enough. You don't need it's not that you need the spirit more because you're going through a hard time or it's you, you are good. Yeah, it's so true. And I, there's a scripture in Mosiah 21, 16, and I love this little line and it reminds me of this. You are enough and you're, as long as you're trying, it's enough. And it's the simplest thing. It says, and it came to pass that they began to prosper by degrees. And that's what happens when we try. Yeah. When we try, we prosper by degrees. And sometimes that doesn't feel like anything. It's like the slightest, yeah, slightest change. And sometimes we don't acknowledge it in ourselves, but it is making major changes down the road for us. Yes. And so the trying, you are enough. You've got this and we have got your back. And hopefully we can help you feel like your best each week. So, well, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. I mean, we'll, 
We'll be oh, yeah, we say that. <laughs> we'll be here next we'll week. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. And we're so grateful that you guys share with your friends and family. Yeah, we're so grateful. And in the past, we've asked, what do you do while you listen? And we got a message from Desi and she said, I listen to your podcast while I'm at the gym working out. It's seriously the best. Well, Desi, you're seriously the best. We love you. And we have a listener from Branson, Missouri, and I have a special place in my heart for you. I have no idea who you are, but I was in your town on 9-11 and you guys were my home away from home. So reach out. I want to get to know you better. And we want to throw a big shout out to Idaho. We've got people listening from multiple places there. So if you're from Napa, Lava Hot Springs, Twin Falls, Caldwell, and Meridian, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We hope you guys have a great week. Bye. See ya.